Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to season two, episode number three, number tres, <laughs> of Reeducated, a podcast where we rethink, relearn, and get reeducated on many topics relating to our Black community here in the state of New Mexico. Devin and I, Danny Golden, are your hosts, and we're coming at you from Albuquerque, New Mexico. We just want to uh, remind you to go and like, share, subscribe, all that. Uh, continue to support us so that we can keep this platform going and continue to discuss all of these very important issues. Want to give a big shout out to the New Mexico State Office of African American Affairs for creating this platform for us in the first place so that Dev and I can get on here, chop it up, hang out with (laughs) y'all. You can go visit the State Office of African American Affairs online at OAAA, so OAAA.state.nm.us. What's up, Dev? What's good? (laughs) Not too much. Just to let y'all know that three is the magic number. Three is the magic number. And so I feel like this is going to be a magical episode. Yeah. Very, uh, very intense. But just wanted to give you all the disclaimer that this is going to be a more sensitive topic that we're going to be discussing. Um, But before we get started, uh, these are the views and opinion of our own and not of the State Office of African American Affairs or any other government agencies, including the governor's office. And so just let you know, they're not a part of this. This isn't them. This is just us. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Honestly, like, I don't know. So if you're uh, watching on YouTube, you can see I got my natural hair oh, out. So mm-hmm. it's crazy because so about a year ago, I cut it all off. I had mm-hmm. one of those moments um, in the mirror where I was just like crying <laughs> and cutting my hair off. It was so it was such a release, though. Yeah. And yeah, but now it's it's grown out so much and it's all happy and healthy. I've just yeah. been loving on it like a, you know, it's like a like a house plant. Yeah. You just put all the love and all the moisture <laughs> into it, especially in the desert. Oh, yeah. You know how that is. It's mm-hmm. trying to keep our, our natural tresses moisturized and healthy. So, but I answered that question like that because my hair has a lot to do with my mood sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like... If I'm having a good hair day, it's a good day, period. Hey, I definitely hear you on that end. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's it's looking good and everything. Thanks and to the Crown Act, yeah. we can wear our natural hair exactly. without I was, worry. I was just about to say, you know, we rocket our crowns and stuff. Yes. You got the fro going, I got the dreads, and so. I love it. Locked yes, up. I love it. It's nice to have, <laughs> be able to have our crowns and be able to wear it and embrace it mm-hmm. even more now that there's been legislation yeah. that's passed that um, provides another barrier for discrimination against yeah. us and yeah. our crowns. And so, yeah, yeah. I, it's nice and it's very surreal. And mm-hmm. shout out to all the wonderful individuals from the um, Central Organizing Committee that did their due diligence and all the individuals involved in getting the Crown Act passed is yeah. It's it's amazing. And I think this is just another step in making New Mexico an equitable place for black people to live. Yeah. We wanna be here and show up one hundred percent ourselves and that's definitely a big step in that direction. Mm-hmm. So thank you. Thank you to all of you for doing that work. But yeah, so we're getting into it. Like we said, this is season two, <laughs> episode three. And we're titling it Shot for Shot because Mm -hmm. today we're actually going to be discussing the vaccine, which is something that it seems like is being talked about everywhere, Mm -hmm. every day, 
um, you see it on, you know, signs on the road on my yeah. drive over <laughs> here. It's like, get your shot, get mm-hmm. vaccinated. So it's everywhere. So it's definitely worth talking about and kind of bringing a lot of the information, history, et cetera, to the surface when having this conversation. I wanted to rewind though really quick because— mm-hmm. We've been talking about, you know, and talking about the vaccine. We've been going through this pandemic life Mm -hmm. for like over a year now. I think I was furloughed from my job actually when all of this popped off, Mm. like March 14th of 2020. Do you remember like where you were and what was happening when, when at the genesis of all this, when it started coming to light? Yeah, definitely. And so a little bit before that, I ended up, dealing with some health stuff. And so I was just coming out of the hospital like the end of February. And then going into March, I was like getting back into it. I was getting back into work. We were planning for what we are going to do for the summer. And then we get a message saying, okay, everybody needs to go home. Everybody needs to stay out of the office for X amount of time. We're in a pandemic. And so it was a little bit traumatizing, just... um, Seeing that, hey, we're in a pandemic and, like, this is, even though before it spiraled, is for me, it just felt like this was going to be something that was going to be extremely traumatizing. Um, it was going to be very hard to navigate. And, again, for me, I'm very social. I like to be around people and I like to be in person. And so just initially not, like, having to work from home, it's yeah. okay at first, but— um, again, I'm one of those people that like to be around people. So yeah. I just knew that everybody having to stay home, this was going to be very, very difficult to yeah. really navigate even before we actually got into the meat of things. See, and I had, it's interesting that you say that because I really didn't have any, I don't know, I just didn't think about, I was like, oh, everybody's going home. Like, you know, I was put on furlough from my day job, Mm -hmm. like, but at the same time, it was just like, I really didn't know what to expect. I didn't have any preconceived notions or like, oh, this is going to be like really bad. You hear, you know, what the media talks about and what the public health officials are saying. And I think it took a minute to like really set in. And then, you know, we have quarantine Mm -hmm. became a big old thing. You know, everybody's learning like what quarantine even means because it hadn't really been that relevant in our society up until recently. Yeah. Um, but, and then it became a big old buzzword, but, you know, then you're in quarantine and you don't really get to see the effects and the impact of that until like, I think it was like weeks in and people are like, wow, this is mm. crazy. Like this is really happening. I was watching the tracker like at work on those first, you know, that first week, just mm-hmm. like, those numbers kind of just skyrocket and seeing like not only the national number go really high, but the global number was just like, whoa. So yeah, it was an interesting time. And it leads us to today, you know, April, 2021, we're kind of in this in-between stage where some places are getting back to normal. Some places like, you know, Texas are completely Mm. open. Y'all see it on Instagram. (laughs) People are really in the club. People are really turning up. But, you know, some places, kind of like New Mexico, I feel like we're one of those places where we're still kind of got our foot on both sides of the fence. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think for this state, the vaccine is a big part of, like, pushing us onto the other side of 
that fence. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I definitely agree. And I think that one, I definitely think as a state, we're doing what we're doing, what we need to do and we're doing the right thing and just slowly transitioning into a little bit of normalcy, understanding that we won't get back to how things were. Like I look at how things are now. I'm like, people are (laughs) taking tissue and hand sanitizer, but there is like still rows and rows of hand soap <laughs> and regular soap that were on right. there. I'm like... Like right next yeah. to it in the cleaning aisle. I'm like, come on, y'all. Like, we um, didn't... Like, y'all were taught to wash your hands as, like, your first line of defense when you're doing right. stuff. It was, it was very weird those first, like, few weeks, like, hearing all of, like, our... We're adults mm. having to be reminded and shown and, you know, which, hey, don't give me... I'd rather... Do that. I'd oh, rather yeah. it be too much and too much information mm. and reminders, but that's really what it took. But I, <laughs> I've second that. I definitely was just like SMH. Mm. <laughs> Wash your hands. Yeah, <laughs> come on. Not that that can totally, you know, if we're being realistic, that can't totally eradicate your chances of contracting COVID nineteen, yeah. but it does drastically increase it. Mm. So that humor is coming from somewhere. But fast forward till now, mm-hmm. you know, we're here. And the vaccine is being rolled out. The New Mexico Department of Health is the main, you know, proponent of the vaccination plans. Mm-hmm. They are working with other state agencies, private, uh, tribal councils, in order to come up with a comprehensive plan to get the state vaccinated because it's their thinking that, mm-hmm. you know, once everyone or we reach a certain level um, or a certain percentage of vaccination in the state— then they'll feel comfortable with proceeding to open things up. It's a sticky. Yes, it it definitely is. It's a sticky thing. Yo, like Instagram, social media is all, it seems like you just see so much from both sides. Mm -hmm. Like to vaccinate or not to vaccinate. (laughs) Exactly. But I think it comes down to, there's so many factors. Like Mm -hmm. education is a big factor. But for us Mm -hmm. in our skin, and having our ancestry in this country, there are a lot of other things that come up when we talk about, you know, um, state-sponsored, yeah. you know, public health for mm-hmm. Black people. Uh, for many, me, myself <laughs> included, there is some, you know, distrust there. Mm-hmm. So that that's could be a challenge, you know, for us. Yeah, definitely. And I definitely agree. And I understand that there's a precedence of trauma when it comes to healthcare and getting proper healthcare. And so for Black people in particular, like even myself, I have some uh, skepticism when it comes to uh, getting vaccines, certain treatment, especially when it's been a history of trauma for my people prior to. And even now, there's been times where um, over the last couple of years that I've had some mistreatment in the hospital and I've um, not felt comfortable or I feel like, you know, the hospital isn't the place for me because, again, it's yeah. it's just one of those things that um, we've talked about the last season where the practice specifically when it comes to Black people, there hasn't been a lot of research in terms of consensual research mm. and ethical research. Right. And a 
very equitable reference to black people in classrooms and in the medical setting. And so I definitely understand that there's like this, again, the precedence of uh, trauma and um, of fear and uh, skepticism when it comes to um, healthcare, specifically with vaccines. But I think the first thing is having a holistic approach to understanding like the concepts of vaccines and the history of it and just how it came about. And one of the things with the history, vaccines or the concept of vaccines have been around for a long time. Um, I saw somewhere on on the internet and um, I still need to do some more research, get some more credible sources, but it seems that the original first like legitimized vaccine came, I want to say in like 1797 or something mm. in the 1700s. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it originated in this country. Yeah. In this, <laughs> in this country. Yeah. Let's, let's, Just to let's be clear. establish that. But um, it came from uh, the name came from a smallpox mm-hmm. uh, outbreak where it was like vaccinia mm, okay. something. I have, I have to look it up. <laughs> I'll Google it in a second and give y'all the answer in a little bit. But essentially, <laughs> um, they took like parts of the smallpox and injected it into somebody. And then um, after monitoring that individual, they didn't develop any symptoms or they didn't develop smallpox. Right. So that's how they, that was kind of the the beginning stages of like, oh, hey, if we do this, take this general like scientific principle, you mm-hmm. know, um, injecting the, this live virus essentially or live uh, disease into the person, they build up the immunity and the mm-hmm. antibodies themselves in order to protect them from future uh, infection. Exactly. So, okay. Yeah. I mean, smallpox, measles, mumps, mm-hmm. uh what else do we get vaccinated for diphtheria? There's, I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> that, that might not be right. Don't quote mm-hmm. me on that. But there's, you know. Yeah, there's um, a lot of different um, viruses and diseases that we get vaccine, vaccinations for. Mm-hmm. And depending on, like, what the disease is and um, what the vaccine is, some you just get it once in your life. Mm-hmm. Some it's, like, every several years. And so I just depend. Yeah. It just depends on, mm-hmm. um what the disease is and like. Yeah. And your age, they have like a whole structure of like what's, you know, required for school Mm -hmm. and, you know, for travel and different things like that. So as a society, we're, we're not wholly like unfamiliar with vaccines. I think what makes this one so big and so controversial and so involved for everyone is that uh, coronavirus is, is, well, this strain, because there's mm-hmm. other, yeah. you know, coronavirus, but COVID-19 is new to mm-hmm. us. This impact on our society, we have not seen from a single, like, disease during mm-hmm. our lifetime. So yeah. when you look at that, yeah, it's like, it is scary because we've gone from, you know, no vaccine and, you know, even the people who we normally trust in public health, not having any clue, not knowing what to do to like months later, mm-hmm. now we have a vaccine. You know yeah. what I mean? And what does that look like, right? Mm-hmm. We For the smallpox vaccine or measles and mumps, that's been around for years and years and years. Yeah. We know how that impacts people. We know what that looks like in, you know, in the societal framework. But for this one, we don't really know. Mm-hmm. And then throw in, you know, the historical 
experiences that our people have had at the hands of public health uh, officials and the medical community, mm-hmm. it's yeah. rough. You know, oh, yeah. I mean, it brings to mind the Tuskegee Airmen experiments, the mm-hmm. syphilis experiments, where they were experimenting on these men against their will. It was torturous to them. You know, I feel like that's the most recognizable Mm -hmm. instance of that, but it's definitely not unique. You know, it's been happening as a long history where we've been utilized to conduct experiments, to, you know, dissect, to advance, you Mm -hmm. know, medical studies and, and vaccines and things like that. So rightfully so, there's some apprehension and mistrust, you know what I mean? Yeah. For me, I'm like, I just think, I just think about like what you said, our mm-hmm. our own experiences, yeah. you know. But at the same time, it's hard because we've also endured the trauma of this last year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where our lives were drastically changed and drastically impacted. Yeah, and I definitely agree. And I think that when it comes to just these experimentations, one of the biggest things is not having consent, first and foremost, Mm -hmm. because a lot of these experiments that were done in the past on Black people were without consent. Mm -hmm. And then, again, like the ethics of it all is like, what are you looking to gain out of doing the experiment? And I remember looking, um, it was like, uh, I want to say in the— 40s or 50s that there's an experiment that was done on black people who were um, not as affluent or come from lower socioeconomic um, situations. And essentially what they did for those black kids and black men in particular were seeing if having an extra Y chromosome Mm -hmm. makes you a criminal. And so essentially Mm. what they're looking at is trying to criminalize Black mm-hmm. black kids uh, before they became before they them. even did yeah anything. before they're even they even know who they are and so you know like situations like that situations mm-hmm. where um, you have people who are in the prison system mm-hmm. black people and prisoners in particular mm-hmm. um, and they would like inject them with a certain chemical in, like, their testicles just to see what their rate of um, sperm enhancement would be. And so, like, putting black people uh, in situations to where they're getting experimented without consent, without the ethics of the experiment being monitored. And we're still a long way. There have been improvements when Mm -hmm. it comes to those type of experimentations, but... Um, we're definitely in a situation to where we still have to mobilize test uh, experimentation and um, research when it comes to Black people. Mm -hmm. 100%. And it's incumbent on all of us to, like, do our research. You know what I mean? Um, And there are a lot of, you know, sources out there right now about, you know, with information about the vaccine. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you can go to resources like the World Health Organization. You can utilize resources like, you know, the New Mexico Department of Health Mm -hmm. um, because a lot of people have similar questions, have similar fears, have similar situations or concerns. 
And um, I find that, you know, as I'm looking over the Department of Health mm-hmm. website, there's a frequently asked questions section and they're really pretty thorough. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, and not just, you know, doing your research like on this, like we said, like vaccines have a long history in this country. And so being objective and finding, you know, the information and also, you know, taking care of yourself, you yeah. know, drinking water and eating healthy and exercising and all of those things, which I'm so glad that the State Office of African-American Affairs has a stake in that. And mm-hmm. that's important, you know, to the office and recognizing like, yes, we're in a pandemic, but you guys have always done a great job of making Black health, you know, the center of a lot of your initiatives. Mm-hmm. So um, I think that's going to be a a wraparound effort from us, so in the office. So Yeah, definitely. And don't forget that we're also still in a pandemic, like getting mm-hmm. your vaccine or not, you still need to do your due diligence to mm-hmm. protect the people that you care about and, you know, mm-hmm. protect everybody else around you. And wearing a mask again, like washing your hands, doing all the things, all the little things that you can do just to slow down like the spread and to yeah. protect the people. It's like, um, for me, I'll I'll probably never stop wearing a mask. Like, <laughs> I'm like, like I'm gonna just rock people, with the mask for I'm now because like, people people be just <laughs> breathing turn. on me, man. <laughs> and then shoot, I'm like, if you ain't if you ain't six feet away from me, don't don't come near me. You know, I, I, <laughs> isn't I'm, that funny how we like got into this whole? Because like I was already like that, yeah. like that person. that's like, why are you up on me in mm-hmm. this line, like? We need to have six feet anyway. Oh, yeah. You know, like, but... are you going to pay for my food? You going to you going to take care of the towel? You you standing this close, but that's funny. Yeah, I just I just think there are certain things that, regardless of whether you get the vaccine or not, you can do in order to prevent the spread and to protect the people in your community. Yeah, definitely. Um, Let's take a quick break. And when we come back, uh, we will discuss some more about the vaccine, give you some more resources. And yeah, so stick around. Welcome back to Reeducated, a podcast where we rethink, relearn, and get reeducated on many topics relating to the Black community here in the state of New Mexico. We just had a quick break. The music that you heard is compliments of M. Scott Love's Life. Marcus Scott, our post-production engineer, thank you so much to Better Sense. You can visit our production house, Better Sense, at B-T-T-R-S-N-C. Dot com. Before we went to the break, we were talking about the vaccine. So mm-hmm. today's episode is titled... Shot for Shot. Shot for Shot. <laughs> we're talking about the shot, y'all. Mm. So uh, we got into, um, you know, kind of how we got here, you know, kind of recapped the the genesis of all of this and living in historical times where... 
you know, we're dealing with a public health crisis. And where we are with that now is trying to get, you know, I would I keep wanting to say back to normal, but mm-hmm. it's really forward to yeah. a new normal, you know. Um, so we're trying to open things up. And a big part of that has been, you know, implementing the vaccine for COVID-19. And something in discussing that that came up for Devin and I was, you know, especially on this platform, Mm -hmm. was how that impacts our community Mm -hmm. and what we think of it, how we feel about it, and the history of it. Mm -hmm. Of I keep saying it, but what I'm referring to is the medical relationship with Black people and medical institutions, public health. There's a distrust there, Mm -hmm. and rightfully so. We, We touched on that you know, before the break and how when there's a long and drawn out history of experimentation Mm -hmm. without consent, unethical and torturous experimentation, Mm -hmm. then, you know, fast forward to today where, you know, the medical literature is off, you know, talking about Black people don't experience as much pain. And I mean, just all the crazy things that are in the literature and still present today that informs, you know, how we move about this vaccine. Mm -hmm. It's tough. I pulled up a medical journal by a doctor named Dr. Vanessa Northington Gamble. And her writing is titled Under the Shadow of Tuskegee, African-Americans and Healthcare. Mm -hmm. And it just really talks about how that relationship is impacted today But, Devin, you made a good point that, you know, with all of that history, Mm -hmm. what's kind of like our place now? You were talking about how how we can kind of be a part of, like, the shift in that. Yeah, definitely. I think that as we continue to create more standards around ethics when it comes to research, when it comes to experimentation, and when it comes to understanding of— Black people in relation to uh, healthcare and medical practices, I think there's several things that we need to look at um, in being integrated into the processes. I think on the ground level in terms of volunteering to be a part of more of the research that's going on. And so there's like certain instances and situations that Black people, like there's certain research that says Black people are immune to this or they don't experience this and that, or um, there's just no research on the effects of a certain type of like medicine or a certain type of drug or whatever it may be on Black people because, again, we've had so much trauma from stuff in the past that our ancestors uh, went through that we're not comfortable with doing those things. But I think that if we continue to be a part of the processes on the ground level, if we start to penetrate these different boards and these different um, oversight committees on like research that's going on and have more of a stake in what practices are being told as well as having more lay people or people who aren't experts in fields being a part of the process and saying, hey, I don't think this is okay or we need to look at this differently because at the end of the day, when it comes to the medical field and health healthcare, 
there's some systemic issues that are in place. And so even though you may have Black doctors and Black professionals, they came up in a system that was um, oppressing Black people. And so we definitely need to have a holistic approach to being a part of research and being a part of studies. And I think that um, one of the things that healthcare professionals and experts in the field need to do, they need to take the time to break down procedures and processes and what's going on. Because again, they say, or some of the rhetoric or narrative that's put in place is lay people or people who aren't experts are going to have too much difficulty in understanding the processes and understanding what's going on. And it's like, I think that when it comes to any information, but specifically when it comes to medical information, uh, simplicity brings understanding and mobilization. Mm. Complexity breeds fear and oppression. And, wow. And so if you're having a complex issue and you're trying to keep it complex and not bringing it to where everybody understands it, you're trying to oppress a certain amount of people who aren't privy to what you're, the information that you have. Right. It becomes exclusionary. Exactly. And that's, so the fear is not unwarranted. It's mm-hmm. like, if if you don't make the effort to make this information digestible to the people that it impacts, mm-hmm. then, you know, by proxy, you're oppress- being oppressive. Exactly. That makes sense. And yeah. vice versa, you know, um, if we really want to create an equitable society and mobilize our communities, we need to make complex information simple to those who aren't experts in the field. Yeah. You know, and so I just think that that's just one of the things that professionals and these institutions need to do just to show that they really care about us. And if they're not willing to do that, then it speaks volumes to the structure and the systemic uh, issues that are embedded in the system. Yeah, 100%. And I'm glad that you brought that up because that that becomes, that's not a black issue. Mm-hmm. That beca- that's an everybody issue. Exactly. That's, you know, if if people do not have that information, don't have access to that information, then they're already at a disadvantage. Mm-hmm. They're already, you know, it creates more marginalization. And like you said, uh, more fear. So, yeah, yeah, I agree with that 100%. Wise words from Coach Dave. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank yes, you. Yes, of but course. Just to add on to that, um, not only us being more um, embedded in the processes on all levels, but also we need to have an understanding that technology is continuing to advance. Mm-hmm. Like 20 years ago, we didn't have a supercomputer in our pockets. You know right? what I mean? Yeah. Um, we weren't able to... Um, have like things printed in 3D mm-hmm. in the span of like 20 minutes. We yeah. had to like handcraft everything. And so yeah. I think as we continue to advance as a society, we have to understand that like certain processes are expedited. Yeah. And it's not just because, it's not always just because there was like shady stuff going mm-hmm. on. Cause I think that's kind of what we're getting at a yeah. little bit because. I think that the timeline of the vaccine mm-hmm. has come into question for a lot of people. Like it usually, you know, we, we've we been studying cancer for this long exactly. or we've been studying this for this long and we don't have, you know, a vaccine for that or we don't have, you know, a, 
um, a cure for that, but that's not necessarily um, right to to compare those two things because we are in 2021. So now we just have so much more technology mm-hmm. available to us that wasn't years ago. So like you said, it's just expediting it. And that's literally just because they've refined the processes. They have more information. They have more uh, technological capabilities, mm-hmm. not just because people are trying to get over and there's exactly. a whole conspiracy and things like yeah. that. You and, know? And I there's under- advancements. <laughs> exactly. And I understand like there's two aspects to it. Mm-hmm. Like one, we do have advancements in technology and there's certain things that can expedite the process. But I also understand like there's certain things where it's like it takes 21 years to be 21. Yeah. And so there's certain, <laughs> there's also other parts of the process that you can't necessarily rush. And it's like just, uh, it's like you just have to be patient. And so there are two aspects to it, but just understand like the entire, the process in its entirety is shortened or can be shortened because we have certain advancements in technology. Yeah, definitely. And so, um, but I think again, um, when it comes to the vaccine, the best thing you can do is just inform yourself. And there's like multiple resources and look at both sides, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, look at reputable sources and take into account the historical aspect of vaccines as it pertains to black people. Look at vaccines now and like the processes and the concepts of black vaccines and how it works. Like don't just look at one thing and say, Oh, okay. I know everything you have to look at everything. And I think that goes into one looking at reputable sources, like the world health organization, the Mm -hmm. CDC for New Mexico, the department of health also looking at um, some literature. I know one of the best literatures that, comes to mind when we're talking about how Black people's relationship to healthcare and the medical system, medical apartheid, Mm -hmm. looking at that. And then, you know, um, when you're looking at articles, making sure that they're peer-reviewed articles. Mm -hmm. When it's an article from a doctor, make sure they have their PhD. (laughs) Actual credentials. Yeah, their credentials. Not only in the medical field, but in a specific concentration of the medical field. Preferably one relevant to whatever it is that they're discussing. Exactly. (laughs) And so looking in, doing that research. And again, I feel like one of the things that uh, us as a society, especially because we have so much unlimited access to information that it gets hard to really um navigate and funnel out filter, yeah. yeah and filter out some of the misinformation that's out there really just um going back to basic research principles and practices and seeing that okay there's a hypothesis mm-hmm. observation you have your hypothesis you have your experiment and then you have your analysis and data collection of the experiment And then you have your conclusion, which, again, you see everything that happened, things that did work, things that didn't work, things that could be improved. And when you're looking at research, looking at all of that stuff and not just taking a piece of literature from a um, study or article and saying, oh, this is everything. Yeah, 
Right. Dissecting and really like delving in and that we understand like it takes time, mm-hmm. you know, and like life is happening. Exactly. It's just going, going, going. So we know like it does take time, but better to be, you know, informed, better mm-hmm. to have done your own research. You trust yourself, you yeah. know, there's all these other factors with everyone else. But if you at the end of the day have done your research, then you can at least feel like you are making the best decision for you, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's what this comes down to. And if all of us individually, you know, do that, then, you know, then we'll be better off, mm-hmm. you know, as a society. So, yeah. and, but it's, it's really great that, um, you know, there are resources like you talked about, like mm-hmm. the CDC, the New Mexico Department of Health. Um, actually, when we were talking about equity, I meant to mention that the Department of Health uh, for New Mexico has an equity plan in place that specifically pertains to mm-hmm. COVID-19 and the vaccination plan and all of that, because that's another concern that rises, you know, yeah. is it going to be equitable? So you can check out their website. You can see the the comprehensive equity plan there. They also have um, a pretty up to, it's a little behind. Um, January is their last, I think like January 11th is mm-hmm. the last time they tabulated how many doses of the vaccine have gone out, how many people have registered in order to receive their doses of the vaccine. Mm-hmm. Um, just looking at, you know, things like that and keeping your eye on things like that, informing yourself on the landscape wholly, you know, especially uh, in your vicinity in the state of New Mexico, um, can only help inform mm-hmm. your decisions. So I would definitely suggest checking those out. Yeah, definitely. And again, don't forget that there's a lot of resources that are out there that you can look through and um, really get a complete and holistic understanding of what we're dealing with. And don't forget that regardless of if you have the vaccine or not, we're still in a pandemic. Like, don't just be out here wilding, wilding. Doing, <laughs> doing crazy stuff. Still do your due diligence to protect the people around you and protect your loved ones and just have, take care of yourself. Yeah, take care of yourself. I'm a dude, I like, I'm, you know, I've been holding my, my tongue this whole mm. episode because where I come where I'm coming from is, you know, take care of yourself. Don't just like a vaccine is great. Yeah. But, you know, scarfing McDonald's and, you know, eating a lot of fast food and drinking soda and not mm-hmm. exercising and all of these things. I mean, immunity is a big deal here. And I do realize that some of that is out of people's control just mm-hmm. based off of their economic position and yeah. what have you, but do with what is within your control. Obviously, yeah. I'm not coming at anybody who, you know, do what you can do. Yeah. That's all that I'm saying. You know, you know what I'm talking about. You know who I'm talking to. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying. Um, you know, if it's within your power, which your, you know, your body is, do do that. You know, yeah. take care of it and don't just rely on, you know, a shot to keep you healthy and prevent because your your body has um, an immune system. Mm-hmm. And some of us, I'm grateful, you know, to have an immune system that protects me. Mm-hmm. Some of us, you know, don't. But nonetheless, I just wanted to throw that out there because yeah. that's a huge, important part of it. And I, I don't think, I would be remiss to not mention that. I just couldn't come on here in good conscience and not, yeah. you know, urge people to take care of themselves in yeah. other ways as well. No, definitely. And just to kind of add on to that, um, for those people who, do have like certain resources available to them, allocate them to people who aren't as fortunate Mm -hmm. because, you know, um, 
not everybody's been able to keep their job. Not everybody's been able to have like the housing support, the um, access to food, the access to water, all these different things. And um, just having like understanding that the ramifications of not having the access to stuff and having family in Texas going through a lot of the traumas when everything happened with their power. Like, I understand the gravity of certain situations because of the pandemic. And so for those individuals who have certain privileges or who can give a little bit more, you know, help out your brothers and sister, help out your neighbor, help out people who are less fortunate. And then, you know, we just have to do what we can to help our community. It, yeah. it it takes a community to help a community. Yeah. I got chills when you said that because I'm just like, we got to look out for each other. Mm-hmm. That's really what it comes down to. You know, and if you, like you said, if you have the resources, you have the means to have what you need for you and to reach out to somebody else, a helping hand, then do that 100%. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm all for that and about that. I'm so glad you, you said that. Yeah. Yes. Sending all of you so much love. We know that was kind of a a hard topic, but also necessary. Uh, Remember that you can go to the State Office of African American Affairs website um, and, you know, you'll be able to access those resources that we talked about. OAAA.state.nm.us. There we go. I was like, <laughs> let, let's see if we got it this time. Get it time. right. Get, get it right. right. Get, get it tight. tight. Hey. Okay. Look at you. <laughs> look at you trying to do some things. <laughs> you know, it's episode three, so I mm. better have my stuff together by now. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, <laughs> Season I, two. I hear you. I hear you. But yeah, just to add on to that, for those who are looking to get vaccinated, there's several different African American specific sites that allow you to get vaccinated. And so for more information on that, you can go to our website and we'll and follow us on our different social media sites and our newsletter just to have up-to-date information on what you can do if you do want to get vaccinated. Perfecto. Thanks, Deb. That was a good episode. Yeah, I think it was too. I think it was necessary. Yeah. Um, I'm excited for uh, our listeners to listen to the interview that we'll have in our second part of the episode. And so um, we'll be bringing on a professional that can provide a little bit more insight on the vaccine and outlines and aspects that we might not have discussed or people might not think about in terms of the vaccine. And so make sure you stay tuned to that. It's going to be great. Yeah, it'll be really great. (laughs) And so I'm excited. Yeah, me too. Well, thank y'all for joining us for yet another episode of Reeducated and much love to you all. We'll catch you next time. Deuces. (laughs) 